Hi, I'm Nicole Haney. I'm a business coach who helps goal-driven business owners build the life and business of their dreams. In this podcast, I share tactical advice on building your business, mindset tips, and inspiring interviews to help you build your business and change your life. This is the Goals and Gratitude Podcast. Okay, so Victoria, thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, for people who don't know you yet, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what SLIP is? Yes, of course. Thank you for having me, by the way. I think I mentioned when we spoke, uh, I've been listening to your podcast, so it's it's fun to be on the other side. And yeah, so I am Victoria Lyons, and I'm the founder of Slip, which is a condom company focused on intimate health at the forefront. So the product itself is made without uh, vaginal irritants like fragrances, dyes, textures, glycerins, spermicide, a lot of the irritants that are pretty common, unfortunately, to see in uh, condoms on the typical pharmacy shelf. And then from a brand perspective, um, Slip really is focused on, you know, issues of reproductive health, um, female pleasure and vaginal health. Okay, amazing. So it, it sounds like a great product. Um, I'm curious though, how you got into starting a condom company because um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're currently the art director for an advertising agency that works with a lot of kind of larger companies. And so what led you to get into the sexual wellness space? Totally. Um, so probably two parts to that answer. The first is like, you know, I guess why I started Slip and, and where the idea for that came from, um, you know, many years ago uh, when I was in university, I had been on hormonal birth control for a while and I got to a point where I was like, I'm kind of interested in exploring non-hormonal birth control um, would just like, you know, to experience my natural cycle. So when I was looking at options, kind of weighing my options, I decided that condoms were a great option in the sense that they're, you know, accessible, painless, relatively affordable. Um, but I think as, you know, many women can probably relate to, when I went to actually buy condoms, I felt really awkward. And it can feel a little uncomfortable when you feel like the products out there aren't speaking to you, like they're very clearly focused on the male consumer. Um, and from a product standpoint, uh, they were just uncomfortable. <laughs> and, you know, I realized like made with a lot of ingredients that actually weren't great for vaginal health. Um, so that was just kind of like a personal experience I had had. And then, you know, professionally. Uh, so, yeah, as you said, I'm an art director in for an advertising agency. And so I've been working with brands for a number of years uh, to like, come up with ideas for advertising campaigns and, and work closely with the brands. And I think I became I realized like what an impact brands can have and how it's not just about the product and what the problems the product is solving, but there's also kind of like a social component and you can stand for something and you can build a community. Uh, and I became, you know, I, I love that. And I became really passionate about brands and the impact brands can have. And so I think I just sort of naturally was like, I would love to have a brand of my own that, you know, really taps into problems I myself have had and issues that I face. Um, so I kind of had that in the back of my mind for a long time and would just sort of like keep a note on my phone of business ideas, you know, if, and just, I didn't want to start a business just for the sake of starting a business, but I was like, if the idea comes to me, 
I'll know. And, you know, the day that the day that the idea came to me, I was like, this feels right. This feels like something I'm genuinely super, super passionate about and would love to, you know, actually bring to market. Um, so that's what I did. That's that's usually the way businesses are started, right? It's like you have a passion around something and you feel strongly about it. And then you want to solve that problem for other people. You're like, I'm having this problem. There must be other people out there that are having the same problem. Like, maybe I should be the one to do something about it, right? Yeah. So then exactly. is it was it the challenge of it? Like you were saying, you always kind of thought about like how brands can positively impact um, the organizations that the brands represent. So was it the challenge behind that that really drove you to be like, I think I could do this too? Yeah, it was that. And also, I think to get technical, I felt like I had all these like tools at my fingertips to like actually try to start a brand. Um, like I knew how to build a website. I knew how to like market on social media and do all these things as well. So I was like, why don't I just like take these tools I have? Um, and I, you know, I feel like I'm a very resourceful person. So I'm just like, I just set out to learn um, and see like, you know, what I could do to kind of tackle that problem using the tools that I had. Awesome. Yeah. I feel like that puts you in such a good position to kind of say, all right, well, I, I think I could probably do this, right? Like I have all of these, like you said, tools available to me. I have these skill sets already. Why don't I dive in and, and try doing this? Yeah, so exactly. What then did that look like when you first got started? Like what were some of the first steps that you took once you decided like, I'm actually gonna do this and move forward? Yeah, totally. Well, I think like a funny anecdote to bring up is that you were actually the very first person I told about my business idea that wasn't my family. <laughs> so I, was I was the first before yeah. anybody else. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I like, actually, I think I may have told, I'm, you may have been the second person I told about the idea at all because I had the idea and I kind of just like casually mentioned it to my mom who is uh, a doctor she's an obstetrician so she you know delivers babies prescribes birth control this is very much her realm so I told her the idea and she was like yeah that's great definitely run with that and then um I'm like I'm a very quick mover so I emailed Western and I was like I have this idea do you have any resources because I have no idea where to begin and then that led me to you um so you may have been the second person even that I told just because I wanted to figure out like, is this even, you know, a valid idea? Like what, what would be the, you know, I was just taking it one step at a time. Um, so working with you was really helpful because we just started with like the basics of, um, I'm trying to remember what it was called, the like business canvas. The business model canvas. Yeah. yeah like the placemat where you just, you just kind of like start writing down what you're going to like, what this business would look like in terms of channels and, you know, how much it would cost to start. So I really just took it like step by step. Um, and yeah, I won't, there's obviously a lot to it, so I won't go too nitty gritty, but just like really one foot at a time and, um, like signing up for business courses, reading books. Like I, you know, bought a book, it's like how to write your business plan and just followed it step by step. And I really had the mindset of like, I'm just going to take this one step at a time and see how far I can get. Um, and then eventually it was like, cause I was kind of like, I feel like this could get shut down. I might find out that this already exists or this isn't possible or whatever. Um, but it just kept working like as I kept moving forward. So eventually the momentum, I was like, okay, I'm doing this for sure. 
Um, and, you know, it really was like Googling condom manufacturers and emailing any email address I could find until people responded and taking phone calls and talking to founders and really just like information gathering. Um, and that's kind of still what I do to this day, just kind of like take it step by step and get as much information as I can to get to the next phase. Yeah, I feel like this is how businesses are built, honestly, is just one step at a time. I was just in a workshop this morning where I said pretty much the same thing. It's like everybody thinks that their businesses are going to be built, built in these big leaps and bounds, right? And it really just isn't. It honestly is the like tedious kind of almost mundane stuff that you're doing day in and day out. And over time, it really compounds to give you a successful business. Totally. And it's so it feels very daunting at the time, but it's like it's pretty amazing when you just like step by step work towards something. And then suddenly you look back and you're like, wow, I've done so much. Um, like even I remember one one thing that really overwhelmed me was trying to figure out how much it would cost. I'm like, I have no idea. Like, Where do I even begin? But it was just like, like really breaking it down to the basics, like email a manufacturer, ask them for a quote or whatever you can do to just like get any information, even if you're completely, completely wrong, just like starting somewhere and then you can improve from there. Yeah. That's absolutely the case because I think when you go into it, you were probably like, how am I going to build a condom company? Like, how am I going to compete with like Trojan or whatever? I, I don't know any other condom companies, but like, you're probably thinking about the biggest condom companies out there and being like, there's no way that I can do this. Right. Because for all of us, we just see ourselves as ourselves. And we're like, oh, this other condom company is this massive corporation. Like, how am I ever going to get there? And it can feel super overwhelming, I think. But mm -hmm. that's really smart, just taking it one step at a time, because you, you probably did feel like, well, I can call these condom manufacturers and then I can get the pricing and I can figure out how to price my product. And you can do all of those steps in between that eventually get you to that point of competing with the bigger companies, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like for the longest time, I was even using language where I was like, if I can make this work, if I can. And then I remember one day my boyfriend was like, it's not if, like you are, you, you look how far you've come, like you're about to do it. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> For sure. That's, it's always like looking back on it, right? Being able to look back and be like, wow, the last, you know, six months or the last year, look at what I've accomplished. Totally. So then how did you, cause you said like you started calling condom manufacturers. How did you even figure out who the condom manufacturers were? Yeah. So honestly, like actually just Googling it. I remember it took a lot of digging and I was like, I don't know if this email address is even real. And you get like automatic responses that the email doesn't exist and stuff like that. But it was like, just trying, um, I can't remember exactly like how I got my first phone call, but it was kind of through that, just Googling. Um, and then I discovered something actually, it was from the help of the founders of Marlo, who I saw you had an episode out with this morning. Yeah. Um, just, I think like, I don't know if you connected me with them or someone connected me with them and they were, you know, however many steps ahead of me in their process. Um, and they gave me a really good piece of advice, which was like, there's these archives of I'm getting really nitty-gritty here but there's these archives of like um I want to say it was like FDA approvals or something 
and they're public and you can go and search condom and you can find like the names of individual manufacturing companies who had to go through the FDA process. I know this is really nitty gritty, but like doing things like that. And then just like, again, finding an email and sending the email and seeing where it led. And eventually it worked. (laughs) Yeah. No, this is exactly how you do it. So like, this is great that you're getting into the nitty gritty of it because at the end of the day, I think when we start businesses, we're like, I, how am I, I've never talked to a condom manufacturer before. Like, how am I going to figure this out? And then you literally just become like a detective basically. Like you get really good stalking skills and creeping skills. And like, you just go on and you figure it out, right? Like you find the people that you need to talk to, or you find people that maybe aren't the right people, but can point you in the right direction. And it's, super messy in the early days like trying just trying to figure it out i remember when i was trying to source ingredient suppliers and i went through much the same process of being like where do you find coconut oil in bigger jars than like what you can buy at the grocery store like i had no idea and i was googling like coconut oil manufacturers like coconut oil suppliers and like you really don't know until you dig in. And then all of a sudden you start finding all these suppliers and having conversations with them. And then you're getting pellets delivered to your door, but it just takes that like digging in piece. Right. Totally. Yeah. It is like detective work, which is kind of fun because again, like you feel like you're solving this puzzle and it's really rewarding. That's the thing about starting a business is like, there's so many obstacles that like you're constantly feeling that sense of reward of like, wow, I did figure that out. And then you just kind of like keep going. And and the more you do that, the more you feel like confident that you can figure things out. Yeah. I feel like we all become like professional problem solvers basically is what we're doing. Right. Yeah. So then on that same vein, so you're solving problems, you're figuring it out, you're trying to find a manufacturer and you are still working in a full-time job, right? Yes. So how are you balancing all of that? Um, I think when it comes to balance, truthfully, I've had a lot of practice. Like, I don't remember the last time I haven't been juggling a number of major responsibilities. Like, you know, in high school, I was like working part-time jobs at night and even university, like working student council, school. And then when I graduated, I uh, worked full-time while getting another degree. So I feel like I'm kind of used to like juggling a lot of things. And actually when I came up with the idea for Slip, I think I had had like six months of just working. (laughs) And I feel like I was just craving like, no, I got to do more. I'm ready for something else. Um, So I do think it comes with practice, but When it comes to balance, I think I'm big on like taking care of the fundamentals. Like for me, I know that health is my number one priority. Like it becomes, it's, it comes over everything because if I'm not healthy, I can't show up for the people around me. I can't show up for my business, for work or anything like that. So I am really like serious about getting enough sleep and eating well and getting exercise because I feel like if I take care of the fundamentals, then I can be like really on and show up um, when I need to. And, you know, it's hard to burn out when you're like making sure to take care of yourself. And then I think, sorry, there's a lot of answers to this question because I think there's a lot that goes into that, but also just like the busier you are, the more you need to learn to prioritize. And I'm big on like planning and goal setting and all that stuff. So just like, 
being really clear every day, like what is the most important thing to get done um, and like checking in and getting really good at knowing how long it takes you to do things. And, and yeah, it's kind of a juggling act, but um, you're kind of forced to prioritize when you've got a lot on your plate. Yeah. It, it all comes down to time management, right? A hundred percent. Figuring out like, okay, if I want to get a workout in today, then that means I have to stop working at this time. And if I'm going to stop working at this time, then that also means that I can't do 50 million different things with my time. Like I have to pick and choose what makes the most sense. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. So then I guess on that topic of like wellness, Um, I wanted to go back because you had said what started all of this was that you were choosing to come off of um, hormonal birth control. Mm -hmm. And you talk a lot with your brand about um, sexual wellness and taking care of yourself. And so I guess I'm interested in your ideas on hormonal birth control and what would be the reasons that somebody might choose condoms over hormonal birth control. Yeah, totally. Um, I think just like birth control is so individual and that like we need lots of options because one thing can work great for someone and not great for another. Um, You know, I think there's a lot of people that have really negative experiences with hormonal birth control um, because there are side effects and it doesn't affect everyone in the same way. Um, For me, I felt like just not, not great. Like I felt like foggy minded and stuff on birth control, but I didn't have any like you know, severe, serious side effects. I just was like, I, I'm really fascinated by the hormonal cycle and like the way, you know, your body ebbs and flows through the cycle. And, you know, you don't necessarily get that if you're on hormonal birth control. So I just, yeah, it really just comes out of my own interest of kind of like being in tune with my cycle. And that's just what I enjoy and what works well for me. But I think, yeah, it's, it's totally up to, um, up to, the individual and what works best for them. Um, I read a really interesting book on this is your brain on birth control. Sorry, the book was called this is your brain on birth control, um, which is a really interesting book if you kind of want to get into, you know, how hormonal birth control can affect you specifically the pill because it's a bit different when it comes to uh, the IUD. But she talks about before you go on hormonal birth control, kind of like keeping a bit of a journal of like, how you're feeling each day and then going, if you're going to go on uh, the pill, sort of like tracking that and just sort of like paying attention to your body and how you respond to it. Because again, like it can be great or it can be not so great. So just like, you know, figuring out what works best for you. And yeah, I definitely, I really enjoy wellness. And I think that's a part of what led me to starting slip because of my, you know, interest in not hormonal birth control and getting to know my cycle. But also I think that like condoms are a part of just like taking care of our health, our sexual health. Um, and I really wanted to frame slip in that way. And like a tagline we use a lot is safe sex is self-care. Cause I really think that's true. Like it's so important to take care of yourself. And uh, there's so much like shame uh, and added baggage that comes with sex and sexual health. And so, yeah, I really kind of want to tap into that and look at sexual health from like a self-care point of view. Yeah, I feel like it's such an interesting topic. And I think you do really good job on your social media of like digging into the topic too, because I think you're right. There's a lot of like misconceptions. There's it's a a pretty emotionally charged topic as well for a lot of people. Um, And I feel like maybe there's not a ton of research as well that's being done, especially around feminine sexual health. 
Um, and so I guess, can you speak a little bit to why this is an important topic that you want to touch on? Yeah, um, I just want I guess I'll speak to what you just said about like feminine sexual health. I think it's interesting when we look at just the way female sexuality in particular is viewed in our society, like even just looking at studies, um, cis straight male pleasure is very much prioritized and cis straight female pleasure is very much like seen as the least important. Um, and I think you can even see that in like the way the con condoms are branded, to be honest, they're so focused on like male pleasure. And, you know, it's clear that they're trying to convince you that using a condom can feel like nothing at all, or they'll have like these added gimmicks to kind of like convince you that it can feel good with a condom. Um, and I think that having this idea that like condoms make sex less pleasurable um, is, is harmful because especially for women who have a lot at stake when it comes to sex, like in the sense that biologically we're more prone to irritation, infection. Um, if we get pregnant, we have to physically bear a child. Access to safe abortion is at risk. Like there's so much there um, at stake. So I think it's really important for us to reiterate that like safe sex can be inherently pleasurable and for us to kind of change the taboos specifically around female sexuality, because when we don't like pay attention to it, um, there's more at stake, I guess. I, I do think it's such an important topic and it needs to be talked about more and it needs to be talked about more openly as well, right? Like the reality is everybody has sex and like, it's, it's just a thing, right? Like, so the fact that there is so much emotional baggage around it, we need to be kind of opening that up so that we can have intelligent conversations around it. Yeah, just kind of what you're just saying. Um, I wanted to speak to the fact that something, you know, I've learned a lot in speaking with customers. Um, it's just that like, in going on to that, that point that we value male pleasure over female pleasure. Um, I hear a lot of like, I feel awkward asking the guy to use protection because like, it won't feel as good for him. And I hate that we are prioritizing that. And we think that for some reason that's more important than our health and protection. And I, you know, like when you really put it down there, it's like so clear that it's more important to be safe and healthy, but for some reason we're taught that, no, it's more important that they feel good. And I even, I was watching a TV show recently and there was a narrative where like this couple, once they started dating, um, she was like, okay, yeah. Or he was like, okay, can you go on the pill now? Or, you know, she went on the pill because they were now like decided to be together. And it's like, of course I wouldn't make you use protection because I don't know. I just feel like there's this general notion that it's like, you should, if you are in a committed relationship, be on hormonal birth control, because you wouldn't want to make the man use protection. And I hate that that's like the only alternative because not everyone wants to be on hormonal birth control. So I think we should normalize just like yeah, not necessarily turning to that first and foremost. For sure. I think this is such an important conversation to have. And it speaks to a lot of stuff that happens kind of systemically in our society around female sexuality as well. And I could go off on a tangent right now about how women are seen as sexual objects for men's pleasure and how that comes up in such subtle ways that you, you don't even necessarily realize until you're looking for it. 
Um, and I've only become more attuned to as I've gotten a bit older and I've started kind of seeing it more and more. Now I will see things in like TV shows and things like that where I'm like, I can't believe this is still happening. Like, I can't believe that this is still being pushed out there to the public as the way that we should be behaving um, in our society about sexuality. So then because you are talking about such a kind of challenging subject um, that can sometimes be considered a little bit taboo, I guess, um, do you ever feel uncomfortable about it? Do you ever feel awkward about it? Um, is that something that you've kind of thought before? Like, oh my gosh, my mom is seeing this. My grandma is seeing this. Like, oh my gosh, all the time. <laughs> it's funny because I am not, I haven't been always the most outspoken person about sex. Like, I think I'm, I'm comfortable. Well, I definitely am now, but I've always been comfortable speaking out about sex in like, you know, just like health terms. I think especially because my mom is a doctor, it's very matter of fact. Um, but I'm not necessarily the one to be just like openly talking about sex with everyone and anyone until I started a condom, condom business and I'm talking about it on the internet. Um, but yeah, it's funny that it is kind of such a taboo thing. And even like sometimes needing new people, I don't necessarily like come out of the gate and tell them about slip just because I can't gauge how they would react, which like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't worry about that, but it's definitely still ingrained in me that, I know that some people, it makes them feel uncomfortable and I want to respect their comfort levels as well. But yeah, it's very much still a taboo um, that I think really needs to change. And actually on that note, um, kind of an unexpected business challenge I've had is the amount of censorship around the subject. You know, I, I, I think of like the way, the things that I talk about with Slip, I think that they're framed in a way that's like appropriate. <laughs> um, again, like pretty matter of fact. Um, and they're like, you, you know, I, I think I really approach it from a health perspective, but like even right now trying to run Facebook ads, they won't let me run them. And because it's adult content, even though nothing in it is inappropriate, like, you know, there's no nudity or anything like explicit by any means. Um, but it's definitely challenging the way that it's just seen as such a taboo thing. That's wild. That's wild because you are trying to be pro-sexual health, right? And help people find um, ways to have safe sex in a way that's comfortable to them and doesn't cause other health issues and irritation and whatnot. And then you're being stopped from advertising that. That's again, like that's a commentary on the way that we see sex in our society, right? And how it's like, it's not okay to talk about it at all even if it's yeah. in a way where it's like, let's promote safe sex, it's still not okay to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And like, I'm living in the States right now and it's crazy just like to see the headlines even of, of how much conflict there is and like, you know, what can be talked about at what age and uh, like in, even in the school system, like, you know, I felt like in Canada growing up, our sex education was not great, but I feel like we don't have the same, you know, laws and rules that are going around the states right now. And it's just like, there's so much work to be done. And I feel like we're going backwards in a lot of places. Um, yeah, it's just wild. Yeah, for sure. There's, I feel like you've taken on a, a pretty big topic to be talking about for sure so i guess going back to though like your um kind of uncomfortability around 
talking about sex you talk a lot about pleasure as well on your social media and thinking about you know my mom's gonna see this or you know other relatives are potentially gonna see this how do you get past that awkwardness and that discomfort so that you can show up and do it anyways yeah I think and I also should add I have felt discomfort just knowing like I also work full-time <laughs> for like other, you know, coworkers. I had a, I've had a couple of coworkers be like, hey, I, I came across Slip on TikTok. And I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for you to see me in that context. <laughs> Nobody um, wants their TikTok to be found by anybody else, right? We're all like, yeah, oh, exactly. please, don't, please don't watch me dancing on the internet. Exactly. But yeah, it really goes back to like how I feel about the problem. Like, I feel like these are really important issues to be talked about. Um, and the fact that I feel uncomfortable talking about them or, or someone seeing it or, or whatever just reflects like the way we look at sex in our society. And I feel like that really needs to change. And I think, um, I, I'm kind of trying to like, not, not necessarily lead the charge, but, you know, I'm kind of trying to practice what I preach. Like if I don't want sex to be taboo, I think I need to treat it that way. And sometimes you need to just like, you know, uh, act as if and just kind of be like, I'm going to approach this with confidence, even if it makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I know what my goals are, my mission is. This issue is like bigger than me feeling a little bit awkward in front of a camera or talking about these things online. And, you know, so when I come back to that and like the importance of the greater mission, that definitely helps me kind of work through any feelings of discomfort. And even just like hearing from people that have positive takeaways and are like, you know, this changed my perspective on something or just getting positive feedback is like, okay, this is worth it if it's helping one person. Yeah, I feel like that's how we all get past those hard things, right? It's like, you mentioned showing up as if, and I wanted to point that out because I think it's such a great tool for people that like, nobody feels confident going into something that is scary, right? It's scary to talk about sex on the internet. It's scary to speak in front of a large group of people. It's scary to dance on the internet. It's scary to pick up the phone and make a cold call and call a retailer and try and get your product into that store. Like all of those things are scary for everyone. Like Mm -hmm. 99% of people have nerves around these things, right? And so the person who shows up and does it anyways, it's not that they're not feeling afraid. It's that they're feeling that fear and saying, you know what, I have to show up as if I was the person that wasn't afraid. I have to show up with massive confidence and just do the damn thing because that is what's it, what it's going to take to get the business there, right? Absolutely. And I've heard this stat before that it's shown that people actually tend to regret not doing things more than they regret doing things. And I think that is like, I have a big fear of like, you know, going through life and being like, I wish I did that. I wish I did this. And so I'm, I'm just kind of, I give myself more grace in the sense of like, I'm just going to do it because it would be better to do it and feel a little bit uncomfortable than to not do it at all and not know what could have been. Yeah. Have you ever heard of um, Jesse Itzler? Uh, I think so. Wait, is he married to Sarah Blakely? He is. Yes. Okay. I love him. I love him. For anyone who doesn't know who he is, look him up right now. He's incredible. But he has this thing called the life resume. And this is exactly what he's talking about. It's like we only get a certain amount of time on this planet. 
And we might as well use it to do all the cool stuff that we want to be doing, right? Because at the end of your life, you don't want to be looking back and being like, yeah, I always got the laundry done. The, the lawn was always mowed. And like, it, that's not the stuff you want to look back on when you're at the end of your life. You want to look back on your life and be like, I did some really cool stuff. Like I started a company, you know, I climbed a mountain, I did a marathon, like whatever it is that you want to do in your life. And so he says, if you want to do those things, you can't just dream about it. You actually have to schedule it in. And so I love that concept of like, schedule it in, put it into your calendar and then go and do the thing. Totally. I, I love that. And I totally agree with that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So I'm curious as to, you know, you really moved into entrepreneurship and you started a company in an industry that you hadn't been involved in before. And you had to kind of just like jump in and figure it all out. Um, so where are you at now? Are you selling primarily online? Um, are the condoms available in stores? Yeah. So initially we just kind of launched, uh, with the e-commerce website. So you can buy the product on slip.org just to give a little plug. Um, but that was kind of like just to get a foot in the market, right? Like that's, that was the lowest barrier of entry start selling right away, but definitely wanted from the very beginning to be in retail stores because with a product like condoms, if you need them, you need them, right? Often people will want to run out and grab them. Um, so that's definitely been a focus as well. Right now we're in about 10 retail locations. Um, I actually took your retail course to learn how to get into retail, which was really helpful. So yeah, just like that's very much a focus trying to bit by bit find new retailers um, and kind of have different channels to sell through. And so in doing that, like that's, that's hard work, right? Like that's boots on the ground sales, especially if you took that course. Cause I don't like mince words. Like I'm like, you're going to have to go out. You're going to have to call these retailers. It's not easy. You're going to have to go visit them and have conversations and build relationships with them. Um, so that's a lot of work to get your business to where it currently is. What would you say were some of the biggest challenges that you faced in that process? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know that I would be the greatest person to give advice for this because I am someone that just like struggles so much with sales. I feel so uncomfortable, <laughs> but I have gone out and do it anyway. Like I remember the first time going to a retailer like in person and pitching the product. I was like, my palms were so sweaty. I was so nervous, but it worked, thankfully. Um, but yeah, so like, I still feel like I'm sort of treading lightly and, and figuring it all out. Um, but yeah, so it's definitely a challenge just kind of like getting comfortable with that, especially if you're someone who isn't naturally comfortable being a salesperson. Um, but yeah, I think just like the more you do it, um, also not knowing like, again, how this industry works and like, you know, I remember the first time someone was like, can you send me a price list? I'm like, what does a price list look like? <laughs> like just honestly figuring it out step-by-step. Step. And then once you do it once and you kind of can like adjust and iterate. Um, so yeah, just again, I guess one step at a time. I a hundred percent felt the same way as you when I got into sales. Like I, pr I probably shared this with you in our conversations, but I was definitely an introvert. Like I was a very quiet person growing up. And then even into adulthood, I was pretty quiet. 
Um, even in like meetings that I would have when I had a corporate job, like I was very much just somebody that kind of kept to myself. Um, and then when I started Boho, I was like, cool, if I want to make money at this, I'm going to have to go out and do sales. And it is, it's for somebody who's introverted and it doesn't like come naturally to you to go out and be like, Hey, here's my thing. Do you want to buy my product? If that doesn't come naturally to you, it's super uncomfortable at first, right? Cause you're like, Oh my God, I have to ask people to buy this. Like, this is not, this is so awkward. But I do feel like as I worked my way through it, and maybe you found the same thing, there's this piece where it starts to just feel like a conversation, like you're just having a conversation with another person. And when I realized that, I was like, wait, I actually love talking to people. Like once I get to know people and I warm up, I love having conversations with other human beings. And so if I can just act as if um, I'm already warm with this person, and get over that piece of nerves, then I can just have a conversation with them like anybody else. Did you find the same thing? Yeah, totally. And sometimes I think it depends on the person you're talking to and, you know, if they resonate with like the problem you're solving or like the messaging you're sharing. Um, But whenever those conversations did feel more conversational and I could just like, you know, just genuinely speak about the product and and the business and stuff like that it was a it was way more comfortable than like feeling like a pressure to have this perfect script prepared and stuff like that for sure i i definitely think going into sales or really a lot of different aspects of business people think that you have to go into it with everything being perfect but the problem with doing that because i i made this mistake as well you go into it and you have this perfect plan and it's all worked out And then you do the thing and you're like, oh, that didn't go according to plan at all. And it was totally different and it was still messy, even though I had that plan in place. So sometimes like, I feel like it's worth it to just go in, not without a plan, but to go in with like a loose plan. And then you can kind of adapt and pivot as you go, right? Totally. And I think like for me, just the longer I was doing it and you get used to kind of your key messages and, and, and just like getting talking about the product and the business and stuff like that, it gets more comfortable. I think a part of the challenge at the beginning was like not even really knowing the way I would speak about the product and business because it was new. So yeah, the more you kind of iterate on that, I think helps as well. For sure. You figure it out as you go, right? That's, that's everybody. You have to start messy and just figure it out as you go and, and kind of perfect it as you go along for sure. So what's been your favorite part so far of building Slip? I think what I kind of touched on before is like, there's always a new obstacle. And I think it is really exciting to be just like constantly problem solving, although it can get, you know, tiring and really wear on you. It's, it is fun and very much rewarding. And, you know, there's like always something, some like a new level to reach and something new to achieve. Um, and I kind of just try to think of it like as much as I can in like a fun, playful way and visualize like, okay, if I had this like perfect business, what would it look like? And what steps can I take to just get like a little bit closer to that? And that makes it a lot more fun and exciting to just kind of like look at the big picture and be like a little bit day by day. How can I get closer to what I really want? You know? Yeah. You are very much a planner. And I knew this, I knew this, but I forgot about it because I remember 
our meetings, you would always have like a plan for what you wanted to talk about and very like detail oriented. What do you, how do you implement that into your business life? Like, do you have specific like systems and tools that you use that work really well for you? Yeah, good question. Um, I feel like I'll like sometimes build one and then it will fall off. Like, you know, you kind of have to figure out what works, but I do try to, I find what helps to run the business for me is like, if I'm working towards something, making it a habit. So I have like certain things that's like every week I'm doing this, like every week I'm writing a blog post every week, I'm reaching out to this many people and just kind of making it like, just set something you do all the time. Then you don't have to like, you know, force yourself to do it, motivate yourself to do it. It's just kind of like, oh, that's just what I do. Um, so yeah, kind of like anytime I have a new goal to work, to work towards, instead of just being like, oh, I'd really like to do this. It's like, what's something I can do once a week or once a day, or like, how can I, you know, break those into steps that are actually going to be just part of my routine. So I'm not like working hard at it, but I am like just a little bit breaking it down and working towards it every day. For sure. And then you're not having to negotiate with yourself every single time of like, am I going to do this this week? And where am I going to fit it in? And, you know, maybe I should be doing something different because that actually wastes a lot of time, right? When you're having to constantly like renegotiate with yourself, I am very much the same way. It's like, I have certain things that I do on Tuesdays and then Wednesdays and then Thursdays. And I know that I just do those at the same time every single week. And because of that, like, it's just non-negotiable. Like, it's just, it's already in the agenda. It's already in the plan. And so I know I'm going to do it. And I don't have to waste a ton of time thinking about it, right? Exactly. Yeah, I think that was the perfect way to phrase it. You don't have to negotiate with yourself every time when you do it. Um, Yeah, I think that helps a lot. And like, definitely, I'll, I'll do something for, you know, a month and be like, Mm, that's not really working and then you adjust but just like I find it's way easier to just kind of like make it a routine and then reevaluate from there nice yeah do you have like regular check-ins with yourself where you're like is this working is this not working not like super strict regular uh to be honest like I mean every morning I like you know have my to-do list and all that stuff and I every Sunday I plan my week um but like in terms of like the big check-ins I feel like there usually just comes a time every few months where I'm like, okay, I feel like I need to sit back and reevaluate everything, but there's no specific yeah. set. Yeah. More so when you start kind of hitting up against a wall and you're like, wait, this isn't working. Why isn't it working? What about it isn't working? How can we readjust? Right? Exactly. Yeah. That's a great way to do it. I know some entrepreneurs that are very like strict about it and they're like once a month, every month like on the first day i will check in with myself and like see and i'm like that is i am a planner too but that's a little too like hard work for me i feel like i feel like you have to find the things that work best for you right like listen to all of the advice on planning and time management and goal setting and then figure out what works for you and what doesn't and just do what makes the most sense for you because if it doesn't work for you and it feels too rigid or it feels not kind of strict enough, you're not going to follow it. Totally. And I feel like I just naturally get this feeling. I feel like I'm kind of in it now where I'm like, okay, I feel like it's time to shift into like another focus. Like once you kind of reach one milestone, it's like, so yeah, you kind of feel this like desire to take a step back and it's exciting to plan as opposed to you know, totally forced when you're sometimes just like, you don't feel like you need a change right then and there. 
um, yeah. Awesome. And do you use time, time blocking? So I always hear time blocking thrown around. I'm like, I feel like I do it, but what exactly is it? Yeah. So time blocking is literally when you carve out blocks of time. So you'll say, okay, I'm starting my day at 8 a.m. And from 8 to 8.30, I'm going to answer emails. And then from 8.30 to, let's say, 10.30, I'm going to devote time to editing a podcast or whatever it is. And you break out your day in those, like, usually two to three hour chunks of time um, in order to, like, fit everything in that you want to get in there. Yeah, 100%. I, every morning, like after I write my to-do list, I write, I do it every hour. Like I write every hour of the day and put whatever I'm doing beside it. And I only started doing that probably like maybe a year ago. Um, And it just changed so much for me because I feel like I used to be the kind of person that would put stuff on my to-do list and be angry if I didn't finish it. Um, But it was like not realistic for me to finish it anyway. Whereas now putting it on my calendar, it's like, Oh, I, if I didn't get to it, it's like, oh, because that unexpected meeting came up or and it's very clear why I didn't get to it as opposed to just like, you know, forcing myself to do more than I like bite off more than I can chew. Yeah, I have to be honest. I do both. I do yeah. both. I do the time blocking, but then still somehow I still like sneak things in there that I'm like, oh, I could totally get to this in an hour. And then like four hours later, I look up and I'm like, yeah, that was wildly unrealistic. So I need to like keep going and keep getting better at it, I think. Um, And I think maybe I'm just not like prioritizing as best as I perhaps should be with regards to my workload. Um, But time blocking is a game changer, game changer, right? Because it does allow you to say, these are the things that I wanna do this week. Where does it make sense to fit these in? Right. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to editing a podcast, I know it's going to take me a bit of time to like go through and make all the edits and upload it to YouTube and like do all the things I want to do with it. And so I will only put that in if I have like a nice big chunk of time. But if I have a day where it's like back to back meetings, I know I'm not going to be able to edit my podcast on that day. So you kind of slot things in where they make the most amount of time and then try not to go overboard like I do. Totally. I am very bad at, like, I notoriously underestimate the amount of time things take. And I've kind of learned, I'm like, hey, maybe I need to give double the amount of time I think it will take. But like, I'm always late for things. I'm always like cutting it close. And my boyfriend are the opposite. He's like very generous with time and always early. And I'm always like, oh, it'll take five minutes, but it takes 20. And yeah, it's like definitely it can be difficult to, uh, to stick to the times if you don't estimate it properly. Right. For sure. So I think we all need to collectively like try to give ourselves enough time for each thing we're trying to do, but it really does. It helps to like prioritize and really schedule things in. So that's awesome. Totally. And I think that I should, I should take this advice myself, but like when you do plan your day like that, then you can look back and be like, did that take as long as I thought? And like, if you check back in, then I think you get better at knowing how long things will take, you know? For sure. I heard of a thing called a calendar audit and people will literally go back into their calendar for the last like month or two months or three months and look at like, where did I spend my time and what did I spend it on? So that you can figure out like, oh, okay, so this thing actually ended up taking me three hours. 
and I need to slot in more time. Or this other thing that took me three hours, but like realistically, I shouldn't have spent three hours on it. Realistically, that should have only taken me one. And so you can kind of go in and like look at what your schedule actually looked like compared to what you thought it was gonna look like and make changes and go from there, right? Totally. It's like, I I love budgeting too. (laughs) And it's similar to that. It's like, you know, you can go so long thinking you only spend X amount of money on groceries, but unless you actually look back and are like, oh, I'm spending way more than I thought, then you can adjust. So yeah, it definitely goes a long way to actually reflect. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So then if you had one piece of advice that you could give to an entrepreneur that was starting their business today, what would that piece of advice be? Ooh, tough question. One piece of advice. Hmm. I feel like it's probably a theme I've been saying a lot already today, but just like putting one foot in front of the other and like just focus on moving the needle every day. Like you don't need to do everything at once because you cannot do everything at once. Um, so just like baby steps forward, um, like really think about what the most important thing is that day and just focus on that. And then I think it'll like amaze you how much progress you'll make just like from the compound effect of doing that every day. Um, you'll, you'll get very far as opposed to overwhelming yourself and not even wanting to start. Great advice. Really, really good advice because it does. The big picture is always so overwhelming. So to take it one step at a time it feels less like intimidating for someone to get started if it's just like just call some condom manufacturers right for sure yeah um okay so if people want to learn more about you and more about slip where can they find you yeah so slip the website is slip.org and then on social media all of our handles are at slip health And I should mention that slip is with two P's. So S-L-I-P-P. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Victoria, for being here with us today and for sharing your story and your wisdom. Um, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. This was so fun.